Welcome to episode 72 of What Most People Think. How, how are you? Have you? What was your week like? This was, this was the week that the fact that we're in a national lockdown got real, didn't it? It was sort of, last week it was like an extension of Christmas. It was like a fun, novel challenge to get through. And then this year, I don't know about you, but I feel like the reality really sunk in pretty hard, man. I did a, I, I did a one-er at a garden centre. Now, I'm not boasting that I've got the means to throw money around at a garden centre, what I'm saying is that we do weird things in lockdown. It does strange things to a man. I actually, uh, I actually had a daydream about being on the M6. I don't know about you, like, are you dreaming about your old life, the mundane features? I was just dreaming about, yeah, I'd love to be on the M6, man. Just, you know, listening to Five Live, maybe stopping off for a steak slice and a costa. Fuck me, it's sad, isn't it? <laughs> Well, look, we had a very interesting week, didn't we? We had a very interesting week of people appalled at the riots in the US. But similarly, who, you know, last summer when people were smashing up businesses and shit in Seattle had fuck all to say, you know. And people on, you know, the, the hard remain side of things that were disgusted at the conspiracy theories that circulated in and around the Trump disputed election, but who also spent the last four years blaming Russia and Cambridge Analytica for Brexit. There's been, it's just been incredible, isn't it? The, the great thing about a culture war is it's so fucking irrational that whatever side you're on, at some point, you're going to be made an absolute mug out of with your own hypocrisy. I mean, I'll give you an, another example, right? Have you noticed how a lot of people who've claimed for years that, you know, actually I feel more European, and then suddenly they've literally changed their sleeping patterns just to watch what's happening in the US. They're just addicted to CNN. And I'm thinking, I don't remember you um I don't remember you giving as much of a shit about these South Bavarian primaries. But listen, this is uh this is a special episode. So welcome uh to what most people think. This is the podcast that well frankly in the very beginning bit of this might well have lost at least 48% of my listeners. I don't know I don't know why I really went of Remainers this week. I don't, I don't know why. I suppose it's because one of those things that I predicted in the Mystic Jeff podcast about people looking around for as much evidence of Brexit going wrong as they can. And there will be things that go wrong, but I just think like the keenness on some people like it's so weird to be at the point where you're actually disappointed when there's not problems at the port. <laughs> you know, they're taking photos in Waitrose. Well, I haven't got any celeriac today. I'm like, yeah, look, maybe it's going to take a while to work out whether or not this was a disaster. Yeah, so what most people think is a podcast, I am, you know, right of centre. I voted leave. I am, you know, uh, but, but I'm apparently edgy, but I'm not edgy at all. I'm just probably more in line with the average opinion than maybe some of the political comedy scene. Arguable, it's debatable, but that's that's certainly the way I'm putting it. And on that note, today we have a very special guest, uh, Lawrence Fox. Yes, the Lawrence Fox on the show. Uh, It's basically a year since he had that infamous appearance on Question Time. And, you know, he's a character that I've agreed with some things that he said. I found it, you know, divisive and disagreed with other things that he said. And I sort of wondered if a year on from that Question Time appearance, he was feeling in more of a conciliatory mood. So we we had a a very wide ranging uh, and enjoyable chat. Uh, but not, but uncomfortable at times. You know, I challenged him on some things. Um, he challenged me on others. I think that there will be something in this for everyone, I hope. And, and I think there are times probably where you'll agree more with Lawrence than me. But let's see. Let's see. And um, 
We do have some new patrons. Actually, we've had a fair few in the last couple of weeks, which is great. Uh, we've got Christopher Smith. Nothing funny I can say about Christopher Smith. He's, no, he sounds like a director, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like, does really dark reboots of, <laughs> of superhero films. And Russ Palmer, who... Um, apologies if this offends your political sensibilities, Russ, but you do sound like the Lib Dem MP for Folkestone South or something. <laughs> yeah, Russ Palmer. Yeah, Russ Palmer be running one of his surgeries this week because I like to keep it local. Russ Palmer. Now, another thing of the Patreon is that I've it's helped me fund and make the podcast better, right? So the reason you're not hearing any pops at the moment is because I've bought a pop shield. I've been able to buy stuff to soundproof it so it's not as echoey as it was. And also for it's a new year, right? I've got to invest back in the business. So I've got some new jingles. I'm so excited. I mean, it's great to have like a, a guest like Lawrence Fox but uh, I've got some new jingles, man, and I cannot actually wait to play you one of the new jingles. So I'm going to play you a new jingle now. This is my favourite new one. <laughs> Fucking cool is that? Now, a lot of you realise there's quite a dance music influence uh, in some of these jingles. That's because I was a big rave. I say I was a big rave. I'm still one of these sad, tragic bastards that... Uh, that used to go clubbing. <laughs> Do you know, like I was still going up until before lockdown. And I did notice there was a weird thing. Up until about the age of like 38, I was just about getting away with it. And then I did start to get like everyone in there looking at me like, going, sorry, have you, are you here to pick somebody up? I'm like, no, man, I'm here for the tunes, guy. I'm, uh, I'm having it large. Like, Do you, you want my seat, granddad? Do you want my seat? Now, one thing we did on this podcast for quite some time was a cuss count, whereby I tracked the occurrence and frequency of certain swear words. And it was fun. And then a couple of people said it was getting a bit tired and predictable. So I announced with great grandiosity that the cuss count was finished. Then there was some pushback. And then I realised that ultimately the patrons are the shareholders. So I decided to give several options, like almost like the EU referendum, for what we do about the cuss count going forward. And these are the results. And they were quite overwhelming. Keep cuss count as is, 67%. Uh, keep a shorter adapted version was only 17%. Keep track of different things was 28%. And a mixture of options two and three was 43%. Now, the Democratic nerds among you will realise what I essentially did was I tried to split the leave vote there. So I will be keeping the cuss count as it, in, as it is. But in the way that modern democracy is often enacted, I am going to shorten it a bit. And you go, oh, Jeff, we're going to invade Jeff's house. Hey, that wasn't part of the offer, but I just think I, I, I want to keep it more focused. But what we're going to do, we're also going to bring in a leaderboard, starting with the Romish Ranganathan episode. So like Top Gear, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep a count on new swear words, exciting swear words. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this because this isn't the democracy pure and applied. But fuck it. This is, this is a benevolent dictatorship. I took on board what you said. I'm not getting rid of it completely. This is basically like... <laughs> I'm basically trying to do the cuss count equivalent of the Theresa May uh, <laughs> of the Theresa May Brexit deal. I'm sure there's going to be pushback on this. Um, thank you and a fuck you. We do this every week before we go into the chat with uh, Lawrence Fox. Not every week. We're not always with Lawrence Fox, but you know what I mean. Thank you to garden centres. I have no idea why these fuckers are open. I have no idea, but they sell a lot of different shit. I didn't realise you're in there. You can buy alcohol, do you know what I mean? You can buy a bespoke fucking gin glass. You could buy a fat something called a fat ball, which sounds like a medical condition, but it actually is apparently something for your garden. You can, do you know what I mean? You can get like really nice pre-made pies, pre-made gravy. I don't know why garden centres are allowed to be open, but I think that they should stay open. Uh, but I did 100 quid there. 
I did a hundred quid, as I said earlier. That was I was just coming out again. This is so sad. This is what this is what this virus this virus doesn't care who it hurts. And a fuck you. I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit um, in the chat of Lawrence. But it's why left wing people following the suspension of Donald Trump from Twitter is left wing people citing Twitter's terms and conditions. I'm thinking, what the fuck happened to the left? Are you honestly saying? No, Twitter's just a, it's just a private company. That's all it is. They're just a private company enacting their terms and conditions. Oh, they're just a private company, are they? What, the, the, the uh, discussion forum that seeded both the Arab Spring, Me Too, and Black Lives Matter is now, it's just a private company. You know, it's just like, uh, just like a local undertaker's having their Facebook page closed down for posting photos of corpses. <laughs> it's, I mean, like, because it was the whole thing. And they, obviously, what they should have just said is, look, Maybe there are implications for free speech, but I fucking hate Donald Trump, and I'm really glad he got thrown off Twitter. Yeah, all right, I get that, I understand that. But they were just they were just slowly just ignoring stuff, and I was thinking, do you remember that old Voltaire quote? You know, the French philosopher who said, uh, you know, I may not agree with what you say, but I'll fight for the death, fight to the death for your right to say it. Now I was sort of thinking they'd say, you know, I may not agree with your terms and conditions, but I'll fight to the death for the right for big tech company to enact them selectively and ignoring stuff that was said by uh, the Iranian Ayatollahs. <laughs> and, and then they were all like, they went, all went quiet when uh, old Mutti herself, Angela Merkel, actually said, this might not be the greatest precedent uh, in the world. So we can now, now add that to the weird list of allies that modern lefties have, which is uh, premiership footballers, uh, the House of Lords and big tech companies. Okay, it is time to get into the chat with Mr. Lawrence Fox. Right, and what most people think making his debut, literally pretty much a year on from that infamous, I'm legally obliged to call it infamous, Lawrence. You you accept that that is an obligation I'm under? I can call it what you want, Jeff. (laughs) Unprecedented uh, appearance uh, on question time. Now we had, we had a little chat um, in the in the build up to this about the sort of theme of this chat because we don't want it to be because a lot of these comedy shows we often criticise lefties for just agreeing for an hour. So we had a we sort of agreed that this would be about whether or not you felt more conciliatory in 2021. But before we get to that, a year on from question time, it has been a whirlwind. What have the effects been on you personally? Um, uh, yeah, uh, weird. Uh, the yeah. first sort of, I break it down into little four month chunks. So the first four months was like, oh my God, I'm never going to earn any money ever again in my mm-hmm. whole life. Uh, sort of shock and awe and fear. And then the second four months was like, man, there is a serious problem in the world. There's a real, and I must have, wh- what did I say that had trodden on this problem and put myself in the line of fire? And then I start. I try, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I start to kind of really identify why I'd upset people or, mm. or upset a very small number of people, not the majority. The majority of people, when I walk down the street, come up to me and go, thank God for you. And I haven't paid for a cab in a year. So um, it's... Mind you, last... I haven't fucking gone anywhere in a year is the other point. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I didn't pay for a cab for the one and a half weeks we weren't locked down in the summer. Yeah, on, on the two cab rides you took, they were free. Yeah, they, they were free. <laughs> And um, yeah, and then the last four months of the year was going right. I've got to do something about it, yeah, because um, it's pretty crap. And as you can see, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse by the day now. And when we say it's getting worse, do you mean like the the sort of left leaning dominance of social media? I don't even think it's left. 
I just think it's like people that like to control what don't like other people's opinions. It's yeah. like it's people that are going to shovel their opinion down your neck and they won't listen to yours in return. And that's, uh, you know, freedom of speech is, a, is, a, is, is important, isn't it? Because if you don't speak, then you punch. Is uh, is my experience of life. You know, once you stop talking, you start punching instead. So I think you mm. know you've got to really fight for it. I don't think it's a left and right thing. I think it's like an authoritarian, liberal thing. It was interesting you mentioned about fighting. I mean, you are naturally um, a, a pugnacious character, I guess, and and one of the the things that perhaps people weren't expecting because you were on Question Time. I think literally a week after I'd been on it. And yeah. I, and I'm always like, hey guys, let's get along, please like me. And you were just that bit more like direct uh, uh, has that always been the case with you i mean it, it, would your family and your friends think yeah he, he likes a heated debate was that something that you already had about you as a person we were raised that way you know so we were raised to there's five of us so a you had to speak up to get be heard but um you know we were always raised that there was nothing yeah. off the table everything was on the table you could say anything you wanted and also you know this sort of quite a wicked sense of humor in my family so we could also be pretty dark if we wanted to be so I just thought um I just applied the same rules as I apply around the dinner table to question time and yeah. as I imagine what most people do when they're watching it they're just sort of shouting at the tv going shut it you know? <laughs> yeah. so I just sort of applied the same rules and um didn't think it would kick off in that way genuinely. this is one thing that I think people don't understand about question time because about a year before you went on it I went on one in um Aylesbury and I made I made a comment about Donald Tusk, right? I was basically saying he'd got a bit cosy in his kind of air-conditioned boardrooms. He wasn't really fighting the fight anymore. And I basically said he doesn't really have the balls, right? Which was, you know, for a political debate show, wasn't the most evolved thing to say. It didn't seem that big a deal in the room. It was a moment that came and went. But fuck me, when it went out that night, like, I, I, I'm not saying I've experienced what you've experienced, but I've experienced the degree of it. And and it is, mm. it is an incredible thing to watch unfold. How... I mean, what was your sort of mental health like that in and around that week? It was fine at the beginning. I mean, I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and my phone like melted when I turned it on. And also yeah. we'd had a few jars after the show yeah. um, and it had all seemed fine. No one sort of raised it. And then I woke up next morning and my phone just went like that. And it started off all right. It was like, good on you. Thank God someone said that. And yeah. then in, in came the... Um, in came the, the nasty crowd, the, the keyboard warriors, who then started trying to end my career in that sort of week. So uh, mm. equity, that that um, brilliant union of ours, of show business, um, their minority ethnic members committee said that I should be denounced and stuff like that. And then I started going, oh, that's quite serious, actually. So my mental health was OK, because I'm, I knew I was going to get into a fight with these guys at some point because I just stand in total opposition to what they think, mm. you know, the anti-free speech crowd and the censorious crowd. So I knew I was going to get into an argument at some point, but I didn't, and that's why I didn't apologise, because you don't apologise. I mean, I, I feel so, sorry for people who kind of sneak off and go, I'm really sorry, and they duck their head under under yeah. the parapet for a couple of weeks and hope that it comes up right, but it doesn't. They don't forget this crowd. You know, on, on that front, you know, like I said, I'm going to sort of, ultimately, I'm going to agree with you some things, you know, maybe sort of ask sort of uh, more searching questions on other. The the Rebecca front thing, first up, was that like, because she'd blocked you, she was a very close friend, right? And yeah. she blocked you on social media and you and you were hurt by that and, and you took to, to Twitter. Now, mm. what I'm interested in, because obviously you've got no 
responsibility to explain yourself to anyone but just where that reaction comes from because i didn't really know about it, but it turns out like everyone fucking loves her you know what i mean she's yeah like, yeah she's amazing that's why yeah. i think i was so a she introduced me to twitter yeah. she said you've got to join twitter you'd be great on twitter yeah and and i was like no never I'm never joining it because it's it's a hot why on earth would I want people to know what I think and she's like no no do it do it join it and then um you know I used to we used to go around and have Christmas dinners at her house and everything mm. and then she um then she I wanted to congratulate her on something because her book was coming out or something you know and I promoted I'd congratulated yeah. her on a book before and I went and I went you're blocked and then it was just an emotional reaction I was just like yeah. what, what you, can't you phone me up and say I'm blocking you out of my life mm. rather than, you know, because also I noticed I wasn't invited to Christmas that year. And I was like, mm. oh, this is why. So I asked her why. And the stupid bit was I could have just, I should have chopped her head out of it and just gone, I got this message from an actor who I loved yeah. and really admired. That would have been the smart thing to do. But I was so upset about it because I thought we were really good mates. And then her, her, her expression, which, you know, she is, she is awesome. And it did come out clunky to say, um, you know the 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 least we can do is give them a fucking slogan mm. I, I was going but this is what i'm saying it's tokenistic to to go to sort of it's the soft bigotry of low expectations isn't it to go oh we'll just let the black people have a slogan mm. and you know that's the least we can do and I, i'm going to block you because you're saying that and i was like well why couldn't couldn't we have had a constructive conversation about it but instead i sort of I, I was just upset and then I took it down and then, you know, I was quite rightly berated for it because it was a dickish thing to do. I don't Yes, like I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, blocked and, and stuff by people that I knew and the first few times I was like, fuck, you, yeah. you know, it, but I suppose, I don't know about you, but I've, I've come to think like that they're these, these like avatars, aren't they? Like there's this person and it's not like that I'm being disingenuous on social media, but it's obviously like a confected aspect of your personality. Like you don't spend your whole day you know, talking about kind of like identity. No, no, I don't spend my whole day thinking about the EU. So I suppose, I think, I think, you know, I guess I came to the point of thinking like, well, our two avatars have fallen out in a way. Yeah, yeah. But, way but I mean, I did feel for you in one way because I was like, you did tread on a mine. I always call it treading on a landmine because it just turns yeah. out like everyone in showbiz thinks she's the absolute shit. I was like, for fuck. Well, I'm she not. is. She's, she's, she's amazing and she's really funny. I, I was just sad. More mm. than anything. And I suppose I, you know, anyway, there's much better ways of dealing with it than that. But then, you know, what's life all about other than making mistakes and learning from them? I mean, one thing I've learned is like I, I got in trouble with, with colleagues at times, is I've learned that when big this is slightly separate, when big news is breaking, sometimes I used to think, oh, there's big news breaking. I thought of this really funny joke. But sometimes if people are really hurt about something or a specific issue, you do have to give people time. It's just like life, you know. Yeah, there's, def there's, there's definitely that on, the, especially online. Like I, I usually try and, unless I'm going to actively like live tweet mm. something like a prime minister's press conference or something. Usually, if something kicks off now, I give it a couple of days before I before I wade in, because you know people tensions are, uh, and emotions are very raw. Uh, early on in in any situation and you don't there's no but it sort of becomes an attention seeking thing to to constantly comment it's also highly addictive isn't it once you're oh, some, especially now that we're in the like the, the most interesting thing i see is the walk around the block to the park with the dogs every day you know and to get some fresh air that people are just glued glued mm. to their phones and, and social media um so yeah i think it's better to give people a bit of time 
certainly with stuff like that Covington kids stuff in America and you know all of that it's just everyone just wades in and then so yeah. explain it was that the the kid with the MAGA hat that was yeah. facing off against the Native American yeah he's Native is Native American right I, I think it's uh, indigenous I think, American. I think you've got to go BIPOC nowadays, man. I saw BIPOC. Can you explain BIPOC to listeners? Well, I'm hoping they bring BIPOC to England because it's black indigenous uh, person of color. Yeah. So I'm like, if they bring that to England, we're BIPOC. How, how indigenous? Because we're indigenous. We're all BIPOCs. <laughs> I know everyone's a fucking BIPOC, but it's like, it does I sound thought, like a Star Trek sort of race of beers, doesn't it? The, <laughs> yeah. the BIPOCs are here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I don't know. I hate acronyms. I hate putting people into acronyms. I find the whole thing really pathetic and sad. So um, I'm not a big fan of acronyming people into big groups like the LGBTQ plus community. So mm. I don't, you know, they, you know, lesbians don't get on with gays often. So um, you know, why do they have to be in the same community? I mean, that is one of those comments, right? Like, where, like, I, so a lot of my mates are gay mates, which immediately people go, oh, brilliant, that means you're allowed to say anything. But I, I, I have noticed that there is an antipathy between gay and lesbians. Not everybody, but I was, it was one of those things where, in my naivety as a straight guy, thinking, it's almost like people, like, thinking people of, of darker skins are going to somehow have some sort of uh, empathy with each other as minorities when you think, oh, no, actually, there's huge rivalries between countries. And yeah, that's one of those comments that a lot of people know has a lot of grounding, but could be a controversial comment, right? I know. Well, this is the problem that we're left with. It's the same with coloured people and people of mm. colour. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, there's, there's a sort of morally authority, a moral authority that someone's adopted and they've gone, right, absolutely not calling anyone coloured people anymore. It's mm. a person of colour. And you're like, well, who decided it? And on what authority? Mm. And, you know, what you it's just weird. I just find, I just, especially with language, because I obviously trained in language. I'm just like, I just find it a bit odd that there's these, these, and you know, it's the, the other thing when they put two words together that don't really mean anything. Yeah. You know, you know, like social justice and stuff like that. It's like, they, it mean, it used to mean something. That means something totally different. Mm. You know, justice is justice. Well, that has been one of the big changes, isn't it? Is that if you think that you're, you're liberal, right? And a liberal is, I've always thought like, like a, a, a gradual improvement and understanding of where everyone's coming from, you know, and an acceptance. But, you know, people say, well, you can't, you know, woke is, is used as a term of insult. Fair enough. But whatever the case is, there's a hyper fast paced form of liberalism that is different, I think, because it's hot housed online. Most people aren't privy to that conversation. And once those conclusions are shared with the population, they're like, whoa, whoa, I wasn't a part of this chat. So, I think you've got a large generation of people in Britain who are only just hearing what BAME is, right? They're starting mm. to use that word. And I just wonder how constructive it is to then be moving on to another word. Is, is, it, is it just muddy in the waters? Well, they have to do it, don't they? Because at the end of the day, once you start to, once you start to break down this new language that's used, because it's such religious language, do you know what I mean? It's the same mm. way as they did with the football. It was like, we're definitely kneeling for Black Lives Matter. And then it suddenly changes to, we're holding hands against racism. And it's like, and if you point that out, they go, mm. no, no, we were all, it was always just about standing up against racism. And it's like, no, you were kneeling for Black Lives Matter. Gary Lineker had Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter everywhere. 
it, that was what that was about. Now you've shifted it into something else, which is good. We all stand by that. No one is up for racism. It's a crap idea in the world. I mean, it's hard to wipe it out of the planet, but it's there and it's good that we stand up against it. But to pretend that it was never about Black Lives Matter, for example, they just shift it along. So you'll go Bane into BIPOC, into whatever it is next, which is why these sort of escalating genders and stuff like that, that sort of descent into narcissism. It's a religion in my view. Like I think we're witnessing, mm. we're witnessing the rise of the next big religion. What most people think. I mean, you talk about um, Black Black Lives Matter. I mean, you have used the phrase like "All Lives Matter" and, and stuff. Where, where are you with that in 2021? Is that still something that you're comfortable with, or are you reflecting on that? I think it's really important that I think it's very difficult because obviously Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's that's just obvious. And obviously not, it's not obvious to everybody. It's not obvious to, you know, bigoted, militant racists, but I don't think the, the whole of the country is 68 million racists. I just don't think that's the way it is. No. So I um, obviously I agree with the sentiment and the terms, Black Lives Matter. And then I disagree profoundly with the, with the ideology behind it. So it's a difficult one, you know, because they, and it's very cleverly packaged up. So if you say, I don't agree with Black Lives Matter, the movement, then people say, well, oh, you're a bit racist, aren't you? Yeah, no, I mean, there was this organisation and once they dug beneath it had, uh, you know, sort of Marxist principles at the heart of it. But as well, yeah. you know, I did, I, this is where I, I was at. I remember the first couple of weeks of it, I was defensive, <clears> like a lot of white people. I was sort of like, well, this happened in the US. What the, f you know, I, I've always hated that immediate correlation of exactly what's happening with the US here. But I did eventually come to understand that this is a moment. I suppose it, the wording, you know, is in, imperfect. But I guess I came, came to understand it as more equality for black people, right? And I thought, fuck, okay. I did think, like, all lives matter. I did I did wonder if it was a bit like saying, you know, what about International Men's Day sort, sort of thing? I mean, is there a part yeah, of you yeah. that sort of eventually realised it is poking people a little bit, isn't it? I don't know. It, it, for me, it comes from a place of saying if, you, if we don't begin the, our relations with each other under the condition that every mm. single human life has equal value, even mm. if that's not manifested in the world, you know, where there is great, there is great inequality in this world, that actually, um, if we can't begin the conversation with the assumption that every single human life is sacred, which yeah. would mean that, that all lives matter, then we're not really having a conversation on a level playing field about something serious. And then you start digging around and seeing what progress has been made in society and you're going yeah of course there's more to do but the direction of travel is really really good mm. so a little part of me turns around and goes um there there is no uh ethnic wage gap between black and white uh people from 16 to 30 there isn't one doesn't exist right so that's a really good positive wonderful thing that we should celebrate I mean is it simple as if they said like black lives also matter I mean is, is it you know you say you're a language person is it is, 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 is the word in that important to you, that if they'd added the words also, would that be more know. acceptable as a phrase? I, I don't know, because for, for, there's an element of what, you were, of what you said as well, which was this sort of mild indignation that you're bringing over American tropes, where, where America has an entirely different history with um, you know, racial yeah. segregation and stuff than we do. So you've got people going to Black Lives Matter marches, for example, going, hands up, don't shoot, in London. And you're like, Jesus, man. Do, do, get a GCSE in something before you. No, I, I agree, and I saw something on Sky News that went unchallenged. When was was somebody talking to the reporter about uh, people of colour being killed on British streets, and, and the stat was, I think that there was like two. One. 
to no, and it was a terrorist yeah it was, a it terrorist. was that one guy on on the on the bridge you know and they're doing it in america as well now they're well they're saying you know what would have happened if if black if the black lives matter crowd had marched on the mm. um on the capital and it's like don't play this game well a woman you know out. one of those protesters was a woman and she got shot through the chest yeah. at point blank range um i i think you know another area i agree with you is is that i find it a shame when progress isn't acknowledged you know what i mean like it's not to say yeah. that's that difficult line i remember i remember the rapper dave he did this great line saying less racist is still racist and i thought that was a great line however it would be a shame if we couldn't look at how things had got better like maybe there was perhaps pre-black lives matter a cozy idea including in people like me that things were were better than they were but equally you don't then for me overcorrect to the idea that everything is terrible and nothing's getting better because i suppose the biggest problem with that is it doesn't really speak to people's lives because they sort of look around and go well i think actually it's the same with corbyn acting like everyone's lives were shit people yeah. sort of go in the end no, mine's all right. You know what I mean. So, so I, I think I agree with you there. I mean, a, a, another sort of area, another contentious area that, that you got into, where where I partially agree with you, was about this this sort of like uh, representation of, of actors of color in, in periods of drama, in periods dramas, right? Yeah. And and I sort of there's a part of me that goes, well, I, are we saying that black and Asian actors never get to be in period dramas ever? Because there are a lot of them, right? But then I watch certain films where the overcorrection is is so vast that it arguably drags you out of the narrative. I mean, are we, are we? Is there a middle ground there, Lawrence? A sweet spot? Well, I think. I mean, first and foremost, you've got to go. Um, what is the representation of Black and Asian uh, and BAME actors on and actresses on the screen? And it's an overrepresentation from what you've got in the population, right? So, that's so what is what is the current the last century? I think, I think it's 18, something like twenty. Yes, I think it's like yeah. 23, 24%, maybe up to 27, who knows? Hmm. And there's a, a, having worked in that business for 22 years, I know that it's at the very forefront of what everybody thinks about, right? And that's a good thing. But hmm. at the same time, if you're going to sit there and you're going to go, only like Russell T. Davis was saying yesterday, only gay actors can play gay people. I'm like, well, hang on a minute then. Well, then surely only you know it, it's a really difficult thing to go from gay actors who play gay people Anne Hathaway's got to apologize for for not being limb different mm. when she's done her thing and then you'll have a black actress play Anne Boleyn so the inconsistency of it is what irritates it's like well mm. could you then have me playing Nelson Mandela in as a young Nelson Mandela for example you know, would that be cool? Oh my! <laughs> I'm just thinking you know I mean? of the, the shit stink that would occur there. I mean, oh my god! Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's a good idea. I'd love to see what the reaction was. <laughs> okay, I hope you're enjoying the chat with Lawrence Fox. There, I don't know. Are you triggered? Are you triggered by me? Are you triggered by him? I'm sure that this podcast, there's a chance that I may get in trouble for this, but uh, but like I say. The fact that we are Patreon-funded means I can have on who the fuck I want. And we have new Patreons this week. We've got Kellyanne, Kellyanne Weddish. Kellyanne Weddish, you sound like a fucking pin-up from the 90s. Do you remember old Eva Herzegovia? Do you remember that? Do you remember that advert? Hello, boys. I mean, you wouldn't have that now, fucking... Do you remember you just had that massive cleavage staring out at you from uh, billboard adverts? Those, those were days. I feel sorry for my son. You know, if he grows up straight... 
I mean, if if he if he grows up gay, like there's actually quite a lot. You know, people don't seem to worry about objectifying the male form. He'll be absolutely sweet as a nut. But that you you just don't see just <laughs> you just don't see a massive pair of breasts on a roundabout anymore. And I just I think we I think we've lost something here. But Kellyanne, I don't know. There's something sexy about the name Kellyanne. I don't know why. Uh, Kellyanne Wedesh. I, I don't know if I've pronounced your name correctly. And maybe you're now going to unsubscribe from the Patreon for having been thoroughly objectified uh, for the last couple of minutes. Or maybe you're missing the odd bit of objectification. I mean, this is what we always forget about the modern women is a lot of women don't want to be objectified, but some do. Some do. And that used to happen. <laughs> that were the main place that happens in public, right? So that maybe we should have like safe spaces. Where am I going with this? It, it, at work. You know, for people, women that want to be objectified, you know, you work in this pool. If you want people to comment on, like, your skirt, then, yeah, you put a lot of effort into your skirt choice that day. Why should your skirt go uncommented upon? <laughs> we should have the 1970s quarter. But I think I discussed this with Catherine Ryan back uh, very early on in the, the podcast. But, uh, yeah, Kellyanne Wedesh. The more I'm saying it. Damn, Kelly. Um, Luke. <laughs> fucking hell, Luke. Luke Peebles. I'm not. The thing is, right. Luke, I'm not gonna like do anything about your name because Luke Peebles. I mean, it's not like a, it's not a bad name. It's just, well, you just sound like a Roald Dahl character. Luke is the main thing. Luke Peebles, and then the the <laughs> the proud Peebles at number forty four on Princeton Street. Luke Peebles, Peebles. The funny thing is, Luke, is you might be a henchman because that makes you sound like small. Like, you remember Penfold in Danger Mouse? That's kind of like, that's the vibe that that name gives off. But the great thing is, I'm sure you're not that guy, Luke. So when you rock in, all hench and tall and that, there's nothing like, there's nothing better than a name that kind of like throws you off the scent, is there? So Luke Peebles, there you go. Uh, I've probably lost both those new uh, patrons now. My book is out this year. Where did I go right? How the left lost me. I can say it's out this year. It's out, what, early May? Well, we're halfway through January. You need to fucking get on this. What if they... Because, you know, there's only a limited print run, right? Oh, oh, that might be trades descriptions. I don't know that for a fact. But it's a sales pitch. I'm fucking going with it. So, uh, yeah, if you want something to look forward to, and let's be honest, we all need stuff to look forward to. Get that on pre-order, either Amazon, Waterstones, or wherever you get your book shit from. That was well. Did you write that? Link, Jeff. Yeah, I did write that. That's why it's so precise. Uh, the tour as well. Look, we're vaccinating. We're vaccinating harder and faster than a lot of Europe, right? And apparently you're not supposed to be proud about this. I had, a, I had a look online. Why am I digging out the Remainers again this week? But there was a lot of Remainers going, I, I don't really think that we should be, um, I don't really think we should be boasting about our vaccination. All right, so we're allowed to say, oh, we're the top of this, uh, top of this excess deaths league. We're near the bottom of the recession thing. But if we vaccinate at speed, apparently we're supposed to just be fucking magnanimous about this you know just oh, oh look i just i don't know how that happened suddenly we've all got fucking herd immunity but uh, we are vaccinating quickly so uh, i think we're gonna we're gonna, you know I, my, my venues are already socially distanced as well so they're already at lower capacities so it starts in april so go on live nation or go on my twitter you'll find the links generally there but there's a few dates of places i'm going that i'm really uh excited about for the first time I'm going to barnstable down there in old fucking old there. Uh, Go on, Jeff. I want to do the sister shagging country. There you go. Look, I can say that because I can't lose advertisers. I can fucking say that. Uh, Northampton. I'm at the Derngate Theatre there. I should have the dates up, shouldn't I? Hang about. So I'm at the Barnstable Queen's Theatre on uh, 11th of April. And then I'm at Northampton. Where am I? Northampton. Who doesn't want to be in Northampton? What? It's just such a beautiful place. 
the thing is, people who live in Northampton, you know, do you know what I mean? I'm not telling you anything you don't go. Northampton, it's actually got, you know, it's got a couple of nice bits. Yeah, well, so does fucking, so did Vietnam in the 70s. Um, <laughs> uh, May, Sunday, May the 9th, the Northampton Royal and Derngate. Uh, and then I've also got dates here. I'm a lead city varieties. What I mean, that is one of the best venues in the country, man. Uh, 12th of May, Wednesday the 12th of May in fucking dirty Leeds. You're right there, Jeff. You come back to Leeds, what, after last time? Um, it's an amazing venue, although it does have it does have a, a stage that's on a rake, which means it's on an angle. So it does sort of make you feel, like if you're feeling a bit nervous, it does sort of make you feel like you're going to end up face first in someone's front row, uh, in the lap of someone on the front row. And that might be a little bonus that you could look forward to. Buy front row tickets, I could uh, randomly nosh you off. <laughs> and uh, Birmingham, uh, Sunday the 16th of May, I'm at the Old Rep. The old rep, the old rep theater there in Birmingham. I'll be doing my show. I blame the parents, don't we all? Those assholes raised a bunch of pussies. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to be there on Sunday the 16th of May. So let's get back to the chat with Lawrence Fox. There's a, there's a lot of guilt being thrown around and there's a lot of shame. You know, you saw, you see the way Biden has started up his presidency by saying, we're just going to focus on everyone except white people. And that it's like, was, that's I mean, really, that's really divisive, man. I mean, why? Yeah, why I mean, just to give clarity for the listeners. So there was a, a speech that Biden made in which he sp- spoke about how America is going to rebuild post COVID. And he said, we're going to prioritize black, Asian and women owned businesses. And I just thought, like, even if that was your agenda in a period where people have, you know, there's obviously, you know, there's there's disaffected people in the Rust Belt. I thought that that was a mad thing to say at that point. I thought, geez, at least get in the job first, you know, at least get a few weeks away from people storming uh, the, the gates, I think so. And just do it and just do it as well. Why don't you just do it rather than basically, you know, you, there's so many things you can do in order to make all, all of, you know, to try and level up the playing field for everybody anyway. But without to go and virtue signal, it's kind of like going like that to everyone who marched um, and then, you know... Lawrence just held up a middle finger for the sake of the listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, like, it's just needlessly provocative. Mm. I, you know, with these things, right, you know, playing sort of devil's advocate to an extent or, or angel's advocate, depending on how, how you look at it, there was, there was a historical imbalance one way. And a lot of people would say, well, it's only right that you have a historical imbalance the other way. I see that as an overcorrection, whereas they yeah. see that as, as justice. My issue is with the rise of the far right and certain ways of thinking, if you have an overcorrection now, you give those freaks a fucking narrative. That's my fear. You know, certainly yeah, something like what Biden said. You just say to them, it, they're after revenge, don't you? And then it's like, you don't want to, that's not the game you want to play in life. Mm. You don't want to go, this is revenge. Because some, certainly some of the stuff that gets said online, you know, certainly with a lot of the censorship stuff, you read some of the things that were said to me. And very occasionally, if it's really horrendous and horrific, I'll report it. And they always, they'll always say something like, um, yeah, we've had a look, it doesn't break any laws at all. <laughs> and you're like, really? You're throwing to offload shotgun shells into my face and into, you know, it's like, this is that that's not that doesn't break your community guidelines that was the odd thing wasn't it recently about like the censorship of trump i mean it's just pragmatic on a level where you think right big tech companies what kind of people work there what age are they what political views are they likely to hold is it possible for any human being to not use their bias to some degree no i I doubt it i really do doubt it 
Well, I, I thought I had COVID the other day because I lost. We were walking out the house with the kids, and my um, sons went, "Oh, what's that smell?" And they were saying that it stunk of rotten fish in the yeah. bins next door. And I was like, "I can't smell anything." So I thought I had COVID, and I tell you what, my COVID policy changed very quickly. Oh, did into it? A slightly, into a slightly different one. It didn't change. I mean, fundamentally, I'm still exactly the same. But it, 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 I very much was aware of my initial bias, just having gone, "Oh, yeah, maybe I've got it." Yeah, no, I can understand the other side of the argument a bit better now. I, I mean, you mentioned COVID there, actually. You know, that was another area that you got in trouble before Christmas was by being very open about having a lunch and hugging and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, given the, the, the second wave, given the fact that you think you had COVID, w- would you be as, as public now? Uh, you know, and that's only like sort of three or four weeks ago. Would you, would you make yeah, the same would, decision yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I would. Um, I think the I don't think the re- reporting is entirely responsible or reliable about this stuff anyway. You know, if you look at the excess deaths, and then you look, you know that the first week of January is going to have the every year has the highest number of deaths anyway. And yeah. then to to put everyone into a panic, I mean, look, no, no one's denying that COVID exists and it's not really bad for certain people. I get that, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really cool. I just happen to think that the measures, that the cure is a lot worse than the disease myself and now what happens is as they know that the wave was coming the the peak is reached and it's going down again see lockdowns work don't it and you're like no they really really don't they don't they, they're destructive for people's lives and and the costs that will be paying for this long term are that so i just think i'm i think you cannot have a position that is you have to be it's one of the very few binary decisions in life you're either pro lockdown or anti-lockdown and mm. I don't think there's any middle ground. I really don't. I don't think you can have a. I don't. I don't see an argument in the middle. I mean, I had sympathy with you for that tweet because all I thought, I hate disingenuity, right? And I thought you made exactly the same decision as Rita Ora, right? That's all that happened. You made yeah. exactly. You made a choice that su- suited you, and you'd weighed up certain risks. She had a little bit of grief, but of course, because you know, certain parts of Twitter need a bogeyman. You got you got climbed into. I mean, like Susanna Reid's made that decision. Piers Morgan has made his own, his own yeah. decision. And it just made me think like, I, I, it's just all those people were, were gutted at getting caught. You were upfront about your decision-making process. Do you feel hard done by in situations like that? No, I take it as a great compliment. If you're if you're really annoying the, the, that lot, then you're obviously making a good point. No different from question time. If you're saying if something heart vaguely sensible mm. is uh, is causing such immense outrage, then um, it's a good thing to do. I don't know. I think the media quite like to turn me into Satan. It's fun for them, and they and they know that I'm up for that. That I won't give in. So they can keep popping at me all day, and I'll keep knocking them back all day. It doesn't matter to me. But why do they, because they, you know, before you, it's been other people. I do think that for some reason, and maybe I'm being naive here, maybe like, because Owen Jones is made into a figure that he's, he's clearly not, right? This need for a bogeyman, I do think it does seem that certainly left-wing Twitter needs to have one. I, and, and I yeah. think, well, I don't know. First, I don't know where that comes from. And I wonder if they've spent so long fighting imaginary moral enemies that they, yeah. they spend not enough time fighting political enemies. Yeah, well, this, yeah, a hundred percent. It's um, also some of the things that they people. It's again what you're saying about two avatars having a conversation with each other. They don't know you. They don't know what you've got to say or what or what you know. They they just you'll say one thing. I mean, I had I did the um the other day with um with uh what was it? You know, when I, when Sainsbury's were going, we're going to have uh, 
black only safe spaces in Sainsbury's and I was going that sounds a bit like process segregationism to me should we not probably shouldn't bring that back and mm. they launched like yeah in every direction going racist racist and I'm going no no if you just stopped for three seconds mm. and reread the tweet before you allowed your anger your anger to escalate you'd understand what I was saying which is it's not it's possibly a step backwards to do that mm. and also it's also cynical marketing to go that basically if you don't shop at Sainsbury's you're a racist <laughs> which celebrity do you think that they would get to read that you know those whispered slogans <laughs> yeah who would it be I well I'm I look I, I'm looking for a gig I, that that would be a great bit of PR like yeah if, if the pop part of the point of advertising would it be good for them it would it, it would be, be mixed <laughs> Look, man, I, I've I've come at you on, on you know, I've agreed with you on, on a couple of things. I've come at you on a couple of things. Is there any? I'm open as well. You know, I've got my own contradictions and hypocrisies. Anything you wanted to ask me? Um, I just want to know why you're the controlled opposition. <laughs> why why the, why the BBC decide that they'll get Jeff on as the controlled opposition? Who's paying you? Is it Bill Gates or is Bill it? Gates. Um, it's for I knew it was Bill Gates. <laughs> I know. Well, how do you how do you find it? Um, but I mean, you you've got a, you a you're smart, which helps. But b you you see, you seem to let it sort of wash off you, and they and they'll 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 let you be as much as possible. And your your humour's real; it's not political particularly. Well, the thing is, I mean, that sort of thing has been sort of said to me. You know what I mean? Like you're you're a stooge and that sort of stuff. And sometimes I think, yeah, maybe they've got a point. But um, is I am quite a conciliatory person by nature. Do you know, I was like that in, yeah. in my family. So it's two approaches, isn't it? It's like, one, I honestly don't think we're ever going to sort of defund the BBC. So the, to me, the option is, is to try and help them, coax them along to a more like realistic deal for everybody that has to pay <laughs> legally their licence fee and stuff. So yeah. it's that thing of, which always sounds a bit mealy-mouthed, of change from within, man, you know. yeah. But it, you're right. It does mean that I have to swallow a lot, and I hear things said, and I hear, and I just, I have to kind of get my head down. And the other thing is, I guess, with the diversity panel, right, is that it's just a fact of life that there are, there are groups of people who are all saying we need more attention, right? Whether that's disabled, yeah. gay, black, Asian, right, female, that's gonna happen. Definitely, that's definitely gonna happen. So the question is, is whether there's a voice there sort of speaking up for the working class element of it. Do you know what I mean? So you sort of think, I, my, my, to be honest, my biggest reservation about being on the BBC diversity panel is, am I doing a good enough job? Because a lot of the people that are there are experienced in this HR type world. And yeah. I'm kind of, I find myself sort of, <laughs> you know, uh, repeating the same point. But I suppose in a way, you know, where where I sort of acknowledge black inequalities because we, if you don't acknowledge black inequality you can't also look at the ways that for example the increase in different outcomes with white working class boys you know yeah and and so i kind of think you can't acknowledge one and not the other um, should it be um should it be should it be about inequality full stop though rather than you know racial inequality and stuff like that so i've been looking at um I, you know, whenever I got, when it really started to degrade me as an, when I was acting, was when you go to an award ceremony and everyone would start their speech by saying what colour their skin was. So they go speaking as a, mm. and it would be their skin colour and then their sexual orientation. And I'm sat there going, 
I genuinely don't give a shit. What can you do the dance routine that's coming in between? Yeah. That's what I want to see, and I just don't care. Mm. So I think inequality is a wonderful thing to look at. And look at usually when mankind tries to interrupt with something, tries to correct a problem in society, they what happens is he just creates another one. So you say the same thing with the white working class boys thing. What you should actually do, there is a problem with financial inequality in this world that we does need addressing how do you address that rather than going there is a problem with black on black crime in london or you know um underrepresentation of disabled people on screen that stuff will that stuff will ultimately mend itself because society is moving in the right direction anyway but i really think it's sad that we're um you know that you you get into a position where you get such bad work, uh, educational outcomes for white working class boys and if, you know if you think about that mm. in america now Think about the fact that Biden has just said, you know, all mm. you uh, all you Vicodin junkies in um, in the Appalachia and out west is um, you, you mean nothing to me. And it's like that's so divisive. Yeah, I, I think that one of my issues, what what makes for me the academic outcomes for working class boys particular. And I, I agree, it'd be great if we could just address all class inequality, because truthfully, if you address class inequality, you address black, Asian, white, working class boys, you know, you do, you do it all. But we are in a reality where things are attended to differently. But I just don't think it's a sexy subject for your, your average metropolitan liberal, right? If you got up and said to him, right, what's your top three priorities for closing uh, inequality today? I don't think they would think of some lad called Darren from 15 years old from Wigan. Right. That, that is never yeah. appearing on their on their list. So I think it's got and it's not to say that that's the same as the race struggle or it has the same history as the race struggle. But it's a very unique challenge you get in getting across that point. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, and again, this is where my, my listeners won't want to hear this within the like absolute upper echelons of the BBC. They are starting to really get this right. You know, there are certain people who really understand that. But as you know, in TV, whether they understand it or not, once you get down to the level of a production company that have their own passion projects, whether or not they give a shit is an absolute chasm between those two things. And that is the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, dra drama has suffered hugely as a result of diversity quotas and stuff like that, because, yeah, I've had it. I had it on my last, the last, uh, weirdly, the last ever acting job, unless I somehow do some major turnaround and rejig this. My last ever acting job, they, I got offered the job in the room and then they went, um, then it went all quiet. And I knew I'd been off the job because the guy, I knew the guy really well. And it went all quiet and they went, well, actually, you know, we're thinking that maybe we need to hire a black guy for that one. And I was saying, okay, that's a lose-lose situation for everybody because you've offered me the job. So whoever gets this job knows that they're getting this job, A, because they were now second choice and B, it was because of the colour of their skin. Who wants to walk onto a film set thinking that they were a diversity hire? And then black, black mate of mine, an actor, an American actor, was doing a play in America, and he had a uh, hunchback. And he's, you know, actors get really into this, like, oh, I've got a hunchback, I'll you yeah, know, do yeah. it. Uh, and he's, he's well into it. And he, he was sort of, he went in on the first day, and he was like, yeah, hey, man, how are you doing this morning? And then the director took him aside, and he went, you don't, don't really need to do the hunchback thing because just the mere fact that you're black is kind of a a, a, a disability wow. do you know what i mean to the audience so i'm like and he's and he's sitting there going to me i'm fucking diversity hire for all the time mm. and then the girl who actually ended up playing the job with me she turned up and she was a mate i've known her for a while and she's mixed race and she said to me the only reason i got this job is because you're white and they had to get someone 
black. So it's like, it doesn't do anything for drama. It's but then, like you're trying to make something better. You're making it worse. But that's interesting because you said to me, like, no one wants to be the diversity bookie. And it did trigger something in me, not in a bad way, but I sort of thought I am often the diversity bookie. And it, honestly, yeah, you are there. Honestly, if you ask me, would you rather be the diversity booking or not here at all? I'd be the diversity booking. So I do wonder, maybe uh, um, black and Asian actors on set might take that that view. But on the other hand, what you're saying is correct in one way, because every single time I do one of these shows, I feel like I'm having to fly the flag. And weirdly, this is where I have some sort of, God, I'll get in trouble for saying empathy with the black community, right? I'm not saying that, but... I feel like I have to fly the flag every single time for the idea that somebody right of centre could be even slightly funny. You are speaking at the moment in a very political way. Obviously, you've got this this political movement you're involved in. Just remind listeners of the name again. It's called the Reclaim Party. I'm in the I'm literally in the process of about to suing the Electoral Commission. Can you believe that? I will have to sue them to put our to put us through. This is the this is an institution that is, exists solely to make sure that there are free and fair elections in this country and that your party name hasn't been taken by anybody else. Mm. And they're deliberately slowing it down because they know that I've got plans that I need their approval for in order to proceed for um, for what's what I want to do this year. So they're just deliberately going nah make up our mind in a bit and now i'm going well i'm, gonna, I'm literally gonna have to take out get a judicial review done on you lot what is your problem you know mm. we're living in a world where people don't naturally trust elections at the moment and you're deliberately putting up two fingers to people and i'm having to threaten you with lawyers it's well, like, this is just to get going and, and accredited and acknowledged well it's to get accredited we we have yeah we've been in the system for two it's much too long now you know and uh, if you're gonna i think it looks like the may elections and stuff like that is going to be shunted because you know they'll shunt every piece of democracy they can at the moment because they're in living in fear but um if they weren't to, to do that it would be really problematic for me to get what i need done because I've got, I've, I've got, I know what I want to achieve this year, certainly in the first half of this year, but now it looks like leading up to October and I, I want to get on with it. And for that, I need, well, I don't need, it's not, I don't desperately need it, but it's really unhelpful not having my political party because I can't, you know, then you can't get a bank balance, you can't get, there's lots of things. It's really annoying. So, you know, what is, you know, from the outside, if I was being cynical from the outside, if I was being cynical from the outside looking in, what is the difference? Yeah. Because, like, you know, it'd be very hard to gain actual political power. What's the difference between yeah. this and a think tank? Um, well, it's just ultimately the fact that you could, in a, in if needed, stand candidates. Yeah. And is that so the intention? Uh, certainly, I've got uh, there. I yeah, but not uh, not in large numbers. And at the beginning, no. But uh, there's a, there's a couple of things that I definitely want to do, and then there's also a couple of bits I need to do for that I want to do legislatively. Oh my god, I said legislative. Oh no, I couldn't do it twice in a row. It's a fucking um, hard word to say, isn't it? I know. God, try saying it after a glass of wine. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's um, yeah, I think you know, it, 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 there's a place where there's a problem, and that and you know something something can be done. I'm, I'm literally today probably going to be announcing something. Um, a so bit today later we're on. talking. I, I get my podcast out quite prompt. So we're talking Wednesday. The what date is it today? So Wednesday, the thirteenth of January. So keep your eyes peeled this week. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be making sort of preliminary announcements, and then I'll have a bigger announcement myself. And then there's yeah, we're gonna do some stuff. Um, I'm we get we, I'm I'm really concerned about free speech as I've always mm. been. 
and um that's my son yawning well <laughs> on his earphones um i'm that's one so... of the consequences of free speech is that you might have to face the judgment of what you're saying in the form of a yawn yeah exactly <laughs> it's so inconsistent isn't it mm. i actually think you know what we need we need a digital border so in the same way as goods can travel across borders so should ideas and uh, if it's the Polish have done it, and I don't know how enforceable it is, but if, if you tweet something or say something that is not against British law, then some yellow-haired moron in, well, not moron, genius, in um, Silicon Valley shouldn't decide whether it is and isn't appropriate for their platform, in my view. So you should, every country should have a digital border. And that seems like one way of, of challenging the, the megalopoly or whatever it is, a big tech. Because, you know, they, they use these lovely, kind little social justice words like community guidelines, but actually it's like, we will the fucking world, mate. You know, as we come to the, to, to the end of this chat, you know, the, the original question was about, do you feel more conciliatory in 2021? You do seem to, is that fair to say? Yeah, because I was watching, I, you know, I think maybe it's just you get an overload of things that people are offended by, and then you start noticing that you get offended as well. So it's not just the permanently offended that get offended. You also, you know, as you as we were talking about halfway through the conversation, you it's difficult to spot your own confirmation bias sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. So certainly when Eddie Izzard said, I want to be called she, I was like, fine, go for it. Mm. You know, whereas I would have gone, oh, probably a year ago, I'd be like, oh, God. But I was just like, yeah, if you want to be called she, brilliant. But then my argument's tighter in the fact that I'm like, you know, there is biological men and biological women. But you, know, you can call people whatever they want. Whatever you can do to try and create the space for someone to have a decent conversation with you and to feel open and able to do whatever they want, you know, and to, to be, you know, dare I say it, loving, is, is a great thing. I suppose we, we we know where our principles are a bit more. I certainly do now because they've been challenged, and I've had the the, the you know the mental shit kicked out of me for t- twelve months. Yeah. So you have to get to a place where you're like, I, I you know I don't like division. I I like bringing people together. Well, I but, think that I think that you know that is a. I think that we should maybe revisit this at a similar point next year. You know to see yeah. how how, the, how that's played out and and just one last question is obviously that appearance on question time did change your life or, or and career you know mm. to a totally disproportionate degree i would say looking yeah. back, you know like do you still feel like yeah that was i'm glad that i did that and i'm glad i went on that journey or is there part of thing i could have done without the hassle how do you feel about that decision to go on it now um well it depends on the day like so when you're sat on a, yesterday like i was sat reading through uh she- huge amounts of documentation about the law and stuff to do with various things I was like god I wish I'd never said a fucking word (laughs) and um but then on the days when I'm affecting a little bit of change and a good idea comes to me I go oh actually this could really help shift things back into a slightly less uh you know what is called left wing but I think is not left at all it's just if we can try and drag the authoritarian balloon back down to the ground a bit and if, if there's something I can do to to do that, then I feel that's probably my mission. I'm also a bit religious, you know, so I feel mm. that um, life has a path for you that you don't always get to choose, but you you know you you're part of the journey. Listen, man, conciliatory, spiritual, uh, Lawrence Fox. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Peace, brother. 
Okay, so that was the chat with Lawrence Fox. And thank you very much to him for coming on the show and also being open to being pushed on a few things. You know what I mean? He gets enough people coming at him. Me and him are, I suppose, nominally on the same side of the culture war. But he was open to being questioned and I thought he gave some interesting answers. Now, I know that I have people that listen to this podcast, woke people, people left of centre, who will have maybe questions and things that they want to answer back on. So if you want to take issue with anything he said, or you agree with him, or you want to take issue with anything I've said, what most people think, UK at gmail.com. And of course, the usual thing as well, I love like problems. I'm a real, like, I'm not my old man. When he got into his dotage, he used to always watch uh, Jeremy Kyle. And I just said to him, it's like, what is it? Some weird social experiment. He's like, no, they've just got more problems in their life than me. Fair enough. So, uh, so yeah, do email. And speaking of problems in the life, we've got a, we've just got one, we've got a letter here and then sort of a men's mental health issue I'd just like to cover before we finish the show. This is a very short but sweet letter. Well, it's not, I don't know if it's sweet. Um, from Mark, right? So he said, I actually enjoyed the last lockdown, a chance to slow down and spend time with my two kids and wife. I love the order of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love reading too much in the language, but the fact that you've gone two kids and wife rather than wife and two kids, I mean, that. If I, I know women read a lot into this stuff, but if I'm I'm like, oh, two kids and wife, is it? Who was here first? You bastard. You bastard, Mark. Um, I've done that now. I've done that now. So he's basically saying, I, I've done that, i.e. spending times with his two kids and wife, uh, and I just want to work. How the fuck do I get through this shit? Look, I mean, the serious point at the end there is that, yeah, I don't know about you. I mean, today I'm recording this on Wednesday. I sort of thought, hey, hump day. And then I thought, oh, yeah, life is like one fucking long hump day currently. So it is tough. And um, I don't know, man. You just got to take it one week at a time. You know, you got to have, I think the way I'm doing it is I'm, I'm having stuff like, right, trying to make little things big. So I'm going, oh, we don't want to watch that film on Wednesday. Oh, fucking hell. And I'm going to have like, a speciality beer or something, you know, or one a lager that I particularly like. And then, you know, like that's during the week. Then Saturday, oh my God, I can't wait to... <laughs> it's so sad to have a takeaway, you know, and really think about the takeaway a week. Because what else are you going to do? You know, and I don't think that we do speak about men's needs in lockdown as much as women's. I mean, we always speak about women's stuff, you know what I mean? But, you know, women... Because women don't like going out of the house as much, do they? Random, rabid stereotype, but it's true. Come on, bloke, blokes, we go out. That's what we do with foragers. No, that's not, we hunt and gatherers. Whatever, we leave the fucking house. Who does the who does the late night dairy milk run at a petrol station? Always a bloke, right? Or the early morning run for milk? Always a bloke. Who walks the dog? Mostly blokes, right? It was women literally throwing shit at the the uh, <laughs> at their phones now, or throwing it at their partners as they realise why am I doing this shit? We like getting out there. We like getting out there. So you gotta just keep tabs on it. And you've got to take it one step at a time. I mean, I am an optimist. We are vaccinating quickly. Obviously, that is insensitive to say that. Things could get very different. You know the thing with lockdowns? They get bad very quickly. Case numbers go up very quickly. And then they, they ease. So so who knows, man? But I, I, I threw out a question as well. Because I've noticed that in every single national lockdown now, I've had lockjaw, which is sad again. And I thought, is that me? You know, there's definitely a thing that happens in lockdown. And I put it out there. Um, I would, and I asked on Twitter to people to email in if they were having similar sort of physical issues. And a couple of people said yes, they've been having locked jaw. Uh, a couple of people saying they've had uh, the the night sweats as well. I've had yeah, I've, I've had quite a few of those night sweats. I would say a few people being fatter, FYI, isn't a symptom; it's a choice. Take some fucking responsibility. Don't blame on lockdown. In fact, you've been sitting there eating fucking after eights 
you know, till two in the morning. I don't think that's that's lockdown's fault. Um, there's one guy that rang me, uh, sorry, emailed about his sleeping habits, and he's it's a real issue for him, and he's sort of on the verge of thinking about medication. Look, if it is a real problem, I would say this, and it, and it's making your life worse. You can cut yourself some slack. This is the thing with medication. People say, look, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. There's no issue with going on medication. Yes, there is. One, you don't want to do it. And there are side effects coming off of them. However, it's there for a reason. And I would just say this uh, to the gentleman that emailed in on that. Just cut yourself some slack, mate. It's a fucking, it's a global pandemic. If this is something that you need to do until things get back to normal, just be open-minded to it. Do you know what I mean? I've, look, I, I even hate saying it. I've had to be on medication uh, a couple of times in my life, I didn't want to do it, but it's just, it's just in a way, it's like, it's a very manly sort of choice where you just go, oh, fuck, this is the least shit of two options. You know what I mean? It's not like I took ownership of my life. No, I didn't. I had to take some pills for a while because I was a bit fucked in the head. There you go. I had to take some pills for a while because I was a bit fucked in the head. N- never let it be said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, provide progressive and enlightened attitudes. Okay, so first up, last thing here is if you leave me a review on iTunes, I always read it out. However, I did a poll recently, and it turns out iTunes only accounts for 48% of my downloads, right? Which, one, explains my fairly modest performance in the iTunes charts. But it turns out that there was loads of people leaving me reviews on other sites. And I'm so... Th- thank you so much for doing that, despite the fact I was evidently not reading any of them out. From next week... I'm going to be keeping up to date with that and reading the Spotify ones out and the iTunes ones out. But what iTunes did to me was they didn't have any new reviews for a while and then they dumped about 10 uh, in one go. So I'm just going to read uh, sort of abridged versions of these. This is from Dugatron. He says, Jeff seems to genuinely care about delivering a quality podcast. I do. Uh, Hence the pop shield. Uh, This is from Chester King, 86. Refreshing insight that what most people think is similar to mine. Yeah, hence the title, hence the title. This is from Gran Hope. Jeff and Romesh on top form and Norcott Jr. needs a regular spot. So my son made a guest appearance on the Romesh thing. Uh, That's quite near the end there. And (laughs) he will make another appearance and I will take 15% of what he gets paid. Um... There's, this is also about that podcast. Good podcast, but missed an opportunity for your son to drop the F-bomb. Don't tell me that young kids swearing isn't the funniest fucking thing ever. I may or may not have done it just for a laugh sometimes, but made him promise not to tell his mum. Uh, this is from Sandy Boy UK. Always look forward to this podcast coming out each week. Thank you. Uh, this is from Pillhead. Uh, happy Christmas. Thanks for the laughs throughout this year to forget. Well, you're welcome, man. Thanks for keeping me company. Uh, this is from Shiatsu Dave. <laughs> Your accent reminds me of a surfing mate from Waltham Forest, but he does support Spurs, so he deserves charitable status. Well, one, I agree. Being compared to a Spurs supporter, fuck me. I mean, I'm a Wimbledon fan. We used to have some battles against them back in the day. They were the most violent football games I ever saw, and all the better for it. I miss violence in football. Uh, This is from James Brucey Bruce. Uh, Every week when my phone tells me another episode of this show is available, I'm honestly chuffed as a chip shop. Chuffed as a chip shop to hear it. What brilliant phrase, which I will be nicking. Uh, this is from Old Mumbler. Feeling bad for Jeff since he's not had a five-star review since mid-December. So here's review. Uh, here's my review. And he compares me to a modern Jim Davidson just because he knows that winds me up. Uh, this is from Working Class Cheese. Jeff, I answered the call in this week's podcast and I've left you this. Great podcast as usual. Um, great stuff. Stefan Bregg. Come back, brother. Welcome anytime, comrade. There's a certain kind of so- socialist that thinks that 
I'm on, on the verge of, of a lurch back to the left. Uh, Paul Skinback, by the way, if you don't want to hear these, you can just like stop listening now. This is for the people that took the time. Uh, Paul Skinback, great podcast, thoroughly entertaining with the occasional laugh out loud moment. Occasional. Julie, I look forward to each podcast. Thank you very much, Julie. Ezekiel, uh, if you were voted Brexit and were left buggered and bewildered, buggered and bewildered, that sounds like a nightclub. As, <laughs> as to how you became public enemy number one, uh, this is a good thing to listen to. Well, thank you. Yes, we a lot of us felt that way we voted leave. Still going here. Ollie Kirk, fuck you iTunes, by the way, for dumping all of these, making me paranoid thinking that I was just producing shit podcasts and then you've given me an absolute... But I'll probably get cancer from iTunes. Now. Actually, iTunes, just want to say what a great job you do, you know. Uh, with or without a guest, Jeff's podcast is refreshingly entertaining, funny and incisive. Yeah, I really love the fact that you guys let me just either be me or a guest or whatever. I quite like that flexibility. Uh, this is from Mr. N. Always enjoy listening each week. That's evidently sent in by me. Uh, GV Paul, I subscribe to many podcasts, but Jeff is one that I never miss. Absolutely. Uh, this is from Ho Chi Minh. I love Jeff's podcast. Thank you very much. And this is from Timmers, 64. Loving the show. I agree with the Harry prediction. <laughs> so basically, uh, I was predicting that at some point uh, this year that Harry and Meghan are going to flip. And I'll tell you something. If anything is going to make a man flip in a, mar- in a relationship, it's another lockdown. So that's keep your eyes peeled on the US. Not for what happens with Donald Trump getting impeached, but for Prince Harry basically shaving his head and running around LA fucking naked. Yeah.